Okay, we're going to back it up a couple lines because we were rushing up uh, right at the end there and I didn't feel good about it. So uh, about four lines before the mission, we're on Moed Kut and Yud Beis Amid Aleph. So uh, one more discussion about what you can and cannot do on Cholom So we talked about penning the animals where you put the animals in a certain pen and then they uh, manureize. I wonder if that's a verb. They manureize the field. And then they move the pen a little further. So we can't do that. You can't do it on Shabbos. It is a malacha. It's helping uh, the um, um, either sow or plow the land because you're improving the land. So you cannot do that. Now, the next line really has two explanations. mutar. So the one explanation is if the animals come by themselves, you can let them do whatever they're doing. But uh, that's a difficult shot. So the one that the other the other Rashi brings is if a non-Jew came on their own accord to manure the Jews' field, it's permissible to allow them to do so. Okay, you don't have to drive them away. You didn't ask them to do it. Um, and it's interesting there's going to be a discussion. He just the guy just went on his own, okay. And it's interesting uh, that uh, they came on their own. And mutter, mutter, you're allowed to let them do that. Very interesting. Why you're allowed to let them do that? Why don't you just chase them away from your field? Uh, no explanation is given. Uh, that's why uh, Rashi seemed to be the other Rashi seemed to be saying it's the animals went on their own. So, yeah, you don't have to drive the animals from the pen. But uh, saying when the non-Jews coming, it's interesting to say that you don't have to chase them away. Then it's a discussion, though. Uh, are you allowed to pay them for their work afterwards, which we'll see later on in a few minutes. We're going to discuss that. Okay, so anyway, the goy comes on their own. You didn't ask him to come, and he's penning the animal. It's not. It's, re- it's really not such an overt work per se just moving the animals around but so i guess that's it's not the same as the goy building your house i mean it definitely is a difference if a goy comes in your house and starts building things as so we're just moving the fences over and the animals are grazing it, there is an issue of the land being uh manureized but you know it's not i guess not such an overt malacha but anyway even though they're going on their own but and they're in, and they're allowed to, but still the ain misaino song. But you can't assist them in moving the animals from one section of the field to another. And also they mosim home shomer linar esonam, and you can't provide them with a watchman to guard their flock. So why? Because the goy is even though the Jew didn't ask him, but the goy is asking him. Uh, the the goy is doing it on his for the Jew. And not for himself. So therefore, really, the Jews should not be helping him or putting up a guard to watch the flock. If you're assisting him, it would appear that he hired him to work for him. In other words, the goy comes in, someone's saying, hey, what's this goy doing in your field? So I don't know, I never asked him. I don't know why he's coming. Okay? But if you're going to assist the goy or pay a, or get a watchman to watch the work that the goy is doing, then it looks like he hired him to do the work. Okay, so therefore you can't do that. Now, what if the goy that was for you was a worker for you? 
What if the Jew, the non-Jew, was hired to work for you for the week? He's a work, a week hired hand. Or per month, or per year, or per seven year span. Okay? In other words, he was hired to manure the Jew's field whenever necessary. I hire you by the week, by the year, the snow plowing. Okay? I'm hiring you for the year. Then, and he's coming to do it on these times, Messiah also, we can assist them. Why? Because once one you're hired for a long period to perform a task at unspecific times, it's not like you're doing the work for the Jew since he can perform the task at any time he wants to. So when he's working on Shabbos, he's doing it for his convenience. So it's like his own work and not the employer's. I said, whenever do it, you have a week to get it done, a month to get it done, a year to get it done. You don't have to do it on Shabbos. So now, when the guy is doing it on Shabbos, he's doing it for his convenience, not for yours. One second, I don't know what you're going to ask. Therefore, Jews allowed to assist him in his task, for it's as though he's helping the non-Jew in working on his own field. He's helping the non-Jew do his own work. Now, although one is generally forbidden to perform vigorous work on Cholamoy, assisting the non-Jew doesn't require a lot of exertion. Okay. Uh, okay, so now this, there's other readings here uh, that's adopted by Rashi. And in this point, they insert the following. And the non-Jew may do his work on the Shabbos, on the festival, but we may assist him on Chol HaMoid only. This refers to the one hired for a long-term span. Well, he's permitted to manure the fields on festivals and Shabbos. We may not assist him on those days, but only on Cholomite. So there's a difference in the Girsas. Can you assist him on Shabbos, Yontem, and Cholomite, or only on Cholomite? Let me just do a little bit more. Maybe it's best for us just to finish to the mission. That's just another line, because you're going to see there's a lot more discussion still to come on this. And also, Umos, Shomer, Lenar, Sonam. And you can also have a, a guard to watch over the field since the Gentile wasn't hired to work on Shabbos. Okay? So that is that point. So it's really interesting over here. So it comes out if the Goy comes on his own to do the work. What did we say the first one? He can do it, but you don't help him. Right? But he clearly was doing it for you. He was clearly doing it for you. Right? And he wasn't even paid. For whatever reason, he was doing it for you, okay? And maybe if you'll pay him afterwards, whatever, but it's clearly for you, and clearly at this time, on Cholamoid, right? It's Cholamoid. He's doing work for you. I didn't ask you to do it, but he's doing it for me. So I can't help him because it looks like I asked him to do it for me today on Cholamoid, right? On the other hand, if I pay him to do it for the year, to manure the field for the year, I'm not asking him to, to do it on Cholamoid. And you could even say, you know, I'd rather you not do it on Cholomoid. He says, no, it only works out for me to do it on Cholomoid. So he's allowed to do, the Goy can do that. And then you can even help him. Because why? Because the Goy is doing it for himself, not for you. He's got a bunch, let's say he's like the plow guy. And he's got 50 customers. So it works out better for him to do you on Cholomoid and do another guy on another day. He's in the neighborhood, whatever. So when I'm helping him, I'm helping him do his work that he's doing for himself, not for me. 
Let me just do one more line and we'll sum this up and then we'll get to the questions. I know you're saying, so why can't we let the guy plow our house in, on Shabbos? That's, that's what, what I think. Not only that, Shabbos, look, for the neighbors, if you come and help him on Shabbos, how does it, I mean on the Kolamoy, how does it look for the neighbors they see you come out? Yeah. Anyway, so, okay. now, that's one going. opinion. So, so the price of the non-Jew came on his own accord. He can do so. Okay? So now Rebbe is going to address that issue. Rebbe Omer, if the guy comes b'Shabbos, let's say the guy came on Shabbos. So it didn't ask him to come. But obviously the guy is going to, you know, don't you have sometimes, uh, uh, okay, let's say an example. When you go, uh, you uh, arrive in an airport, Right, and there's always these guys. Uh, what do you, the guys who do the, the luggage porters? porters. porters yeah. So, guys, oh, can I help you? You know, can I get your bags? Now, if you're a, a local, if you're a yokel, you don't know anything about tipping. You know, the guy says, "Sure, you can help me." <laughs> yeah. And then he brings it, and then he comes to your car, and he goes, and you go, "Thanks." Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, the first time years ago, way back, you go to one of these. Uh, you know, whatever. I got to pay you. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have asked you to help me to pay me. So it could be the same thing over here. The goy says, "Oh, there's a fielder. I'll manure the field for him, and then I'll, you know, I hope he'll pay me." Right? That that's so. Therefore, Rebbe says, if the goy did it for you and you didn't ask him to do it, then he could do it in expectation of a favor, but not money, because if you give him a wage or food or money. The Jew shows he's pleased with the work, and then it's regarded as though he had instructed the Gentile to perform the work. So he can't repay the worker except with a favor. Okay? And this, he's even allowed to do on Shabbos. Okay? If the Goy expects to get paid, you got to say no. Right? The, guy's, the Goy's just coming in at the end. So a favor i don't know what a favor would be maybe you'll, you'll you'll pick up his carpool next week or something like that so it doesn't show you really doing any money. that's on shabbos which is much stricter what if he comes on yontif so now you can repay him bimazonos with food but not with a wage right because we're less strict with yontif than shabbos and therefore uh if he manured the the, the thing on yontif okay i can give him a meal because there's no uh real um it's, it's a side benefit, but it's not a wage. Now, there's other issues, but I don't want to go there. B'moed, what if he comes out? Cholamoed. Now, listen to this. Bishar. You can even give him money. Because since he came, I didn't ask him. The Jew didn't agree to anything. So you can pay him afterwards. Aye. And we're not afraid he will return to this on a regular basis, giving the impression that you hired him. I guess maybe it's just Cholamoed. It's only... Twice a year. It's not like Shabbos and Yom I don't know. Yeah. However, one may not tell the non-Jew that if he continues working, he'll be paid. For this would run afoul of the rule we already said. You can't do it on Cholamoy. So you can't do that. You can't tell the guy to do the work. But uh, if he, but if afterwards you could pay him. That's what Rebbe says. Now the question is, is Rebbe arguing on the statements that were said before or not? Because the one before didn't talk anything about paying anything. Revy's one was mentioning pain. So we'll see in a second. So Amar of Yosef, Rav Yosef, analyzing this Gemara says, Halacha Karebi. The halacha is like Rebbe, like the last statement. Okay, now we have to do a bit of commentary. 
from Rabbi Yosef's statement, we see that Rebbe must be arguing the Tanakhama. Tanakhama made one statement. Rebbe says another statement. Comes along, Rebbe says, Allah is like Rebbe. Why do you have to say Allah is like Rebbe unless someone's arguing him? So the Mishonim say that the Tanakhama's opinion that when the non-Jews come of their own accord to manure the field, whether on Shabbos, the festival, Chalmoid, one is permitted to pay them for their work because he didn't say anything not. He's, all, all the Tanaka says, if he comes, he can do it. No qualifications at all. Second rabbi is qualifying what you can give him afterwards. This is implied by the fact that Tanakhama states simply that when non-Jews come on their own accord, it's permissible. The fact he makes no stipulations indicates the permit is unconditional. The work will be performed under the usual arrangements. Now, our elucidation of Rebbe's statement is addressing the case of non-Jews who come on their own accord to manure a Jew's field follows Rashi and numerous other Rishonim. Okay, now, the uh, okay, the Bryce ruled that we may assist this sort of worker in his task. However, it limited this this permit to Cholamoid on Shabbos and Yontav not. Rebbe disputes the Tanakhama and allows assistance to be rendered to the workers on Shabbos and festival also. Or he does differentiate between the various holy days with regard to the form of assistance wages must take. On the Shabbos, he not, may not be paid at all. On a festival, he's given meals. On Cholomay, he's given a form of wage. According to this interpretation, Rebbe discusses the rumination given to the one assisting. According to the interpretation we have followed, is talking about the non-Jew on his own. So it's a different point. So it's a very difficult Gemara to understand. At the end of the day, you know, you can pay him. After he did that. So I guess uh, the Machlokas is, well, Shabbos and Yontav, it seems to be a big Machlokas. But Cholomite, everybody agrees that you can pay him. So again, the guy came on his own. You did not ask him. If he's a long-term worker, I mean, you really should tell him not to do it. Uh, why the halacha over here isn't telling him to stop it is interesting from the, in, from the Gemara here because the halacha would be you, you should tell him to stop, okay, because there is more of an issue of Maris Ayan. I don't know why the Gemara is not dealing with the issue of Maris Ayan. Again, it could maybe be that uh, we're only speaking about manuring the field, okay? So I, you would have to say that that's a different type of lesser obvious malacha. In other words, it's on the farm. It's not like you're building a house and there's construction, there's noise and this and that. And and a goy is never going to build your house without that being done in advance. Okay, so therefore he would obviously. So I guess malachas is that it's clear that he was hired to do it. Manuring, you know, it's you just take the the, the cows are out there anyway. You're just moving the fences along. So that's. So the issue, I don't think there's so much other people as much as he's doing something for you. I think that has to be the distinction. If it's it's a, a plowing company, everyone knows the guy, he hired him out. Hired him out to the work. He shouldn't be doing the work on Shabbos. Here the guy's man, man, manuring the field. I, I, it's not as overt what he is doing in terms of you know bringing in a plow truck and this and that. All you're doing is just moving the fences over. That's it. That's not even such an overt malacha to begin with. Uh, so I guess that type of malacha they're going to be more lenient on if the guy went on his own. Uh, if the guy, uh, you know, well, I, I once had it. One time a plow guy came 
and he plowed my thing. I never asked him to do it. <laughs> he just came in and plowed it up. I said, and he did the wrong house and not mine. But it's okay, so it could happen. But uh, when they're doing really overt malachas, you should stop them. Okay, any comments and questions? Or that was well, well, I had a question. Oh, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So you're talking about the plowing, so you're going to be paid for the plowing. Yeah, so you should. For the snow this day. Right. You should tell them not to come on Shabbos. Yeah. But, but they the... come, even if you tell them, but it has snowed heavily on Friday night. And they come and they're doing the whole street. They come and do it. But do it. Okay, then there's nothing you can do. Like, unless you're, and the problem is they do it at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. yeah. So, but if, let's yeah, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going out the front door and you see the plow coming, you can tell them not to do it. And you tell them not to come. But it, it never works out that way. They never, yeah, no. they, you never see them. Yeah. Right. If you hire a guy for the year. Or let's say a guy to cut the grass. Yeah. yeah. Can't cut the grass on Cholomoyd. So you have to tell them this this time not they can't cut the grass on shops. But that's a more snow. You never know when it comes. Yeah. But uh, the lawn, okay. Every Monday, once a week, they come and do your lawn. You say you cannot come on the Saturday. So you have to put that into the contract. If they don't listen, okay, they didn't listen. What what can you do? But you should even stop them and tell them to come another day. Okay. Yeah, Sammy. Well, I said if they if they have a contract with you for one year. Doesn't matter when they come and they don't come. You're the one who's paying them, so it's not as though you're not paying them that day. You are paying them for the contract. I'm paying so, for the contract, but I, but not for him to work on Shabbos. There's a difference if I go to a guy and say, "Listen, I want you to go on Shabbos and cut the grass." That you okay. cannot do because you can't cut the grass. You can't tell him to cut the grass. Okay. I say, "I want you to cut the grass for the summer." Okay, I don't want you to cut it on Shabbos. Right. I'm paying you to maintain the grass over the summer. I'm not paying you to cut the grass on Shabbos. I don't want you to cut the grass on Shabbos. Mm-hmm. Now he decides to go and cut your grass on Shabbos. Okay? So so even though I'm paying him, I'm not paying him to cut the grass on Shabbos. I'm paying him to maintain the, 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 the grass over the summer. I did not pay him to cut on Shabbos. And I told him not to come on Shabbos. So why, yeah, is, he com- why is he coming on Shabbos? Because yeah, it's easier for him. him. Of course, he's convenient. It's easier for him. So it's easier for him. Fine, if it's easier for him. So he's doing it for himself, not for me. No, he's not. I I paid him to to take care of the field. I I don't want him to do it on Shabbos. Why is he going on Shabbos? Because you paid him for it. Not to do it on Shabbos. No, you told him not to, but he comes anyway. So now he's coming on Saturday because he's doing it for his convenience, not for me. He, he doesn't, I say, come another day. He says, no, I only could do it. I'm going out of town for the rest of the week. I'm going to go on vacation for six days. So I'm going to cut it on Saturday. So, so the guy is doing it for himself. So Cholamoid, so we're saying if, if he come, we can be more lenient on Cholamoid with that in terms of paying. But that's when he wasn't asked to come at all. But if you're hiring him out, then you should at all... Try, try to stop. You know, he shouldn't come. If you can't stop him, you can't stop him. So are we allowed to have Eddie come because it's a communal need? And a who? Eddie on Shabbos. Because it's a communal need for the shul? Because it's specifically he's hired to come for Shabbat. Not that I want to cause any problems. Here. He's not doing any malacha. He's not, he's not doing any malacha. He's not turning on the oven. Or He's not doing any malacha. We don't, we, don't, we don't hire him to do... He does not do any... 
what he does, I can do. Yeah. yeah. You can do it. Yeah, he just sets the tables, does this, and that there's no malacha. So I'm not so so I can pay him to not do malacha. I can't I can't tell I I can't tell a, a non Jew turn the stove on on Shabbos. Right. I can't tell the non-Jew whatever to do malacha because I'm not allowed to do it. I can't have him do malacha for me. Yeah. But I'm allowed to set the table. Can I tell a non-Jew to set the table? Yeah. For sure. Okay. So so the payment has nothing to do with any malachas happening over here. He's doing it for me. Fine. I don't give him any money. The money I put is on the in an envelope before Shabbos. Okay. So he's doing it for me. Okay, but, but he's not doing any malacha. Now, if, <coughs> if, for example, we forgot to put a light on, so we could ask him to put, uh, depending when, if it's for the need of the community, could ask him, but I didn't pay him for that. He said, I paid him specifically. I say, I'm paying you to set up for the kiddush. That's it. I not, I'm not paying him as a daily, say, well, whatever we ask you to do, do. And I'm paying you for that. That I couldn't do. Because then, let's say I'm paying him the money for the, he's he's not an hourly worker per se, that we're saying, okay, whatever we need you to do. I say, I'm hiring you for this job. This job is to set up the kiddush. That's what you're being paid to do. Finished. Now, what does someone forget? We need a light put on. Okay, so he's doing it on his own for us. We're not paying him for that. But you're not allowed to ask him. Well, it depends on the situation. If the if the if the, the air conditioning is, is too cold, then you could ask him to to turn it down because it's for a community need and people could get sick. That's why we we learned that in the Smichas Chaver a long time ago. But you got to be careful. But but you can't have the cleaning lady come in. Somebody asked me just for this Yom Kippur. The cleaning lady comes in on Monday. So what could she do? I say basically nothing. There's certain things she could do. She can make the beds. She can uh, sort, you know, tidy up the house a little bit. Uh, but not, she could babysit. Yeah. All right. But as I said, it's usually not worth it for you. Because you really, what they normally do, they use the vacuum cleaner and, and wash the floors. And this. I said, not much use. You can, you can have them work for you, but they're just not, can't do any malacha. So it's not very helpful. Okay, anyway, continuing next, Mishnah. Okay, now we've already discussed, remember we started the last Mishnah, it was with the olive press. And once you press the olives, you've got to uh, move it on quickly, the process. You can't delay the process, it gets spoiled. So the same thing's going to happen with wine. Same issue. Okay, what if you have wine that's in a vat? In, in front of the wine press, ready to be poured into barrels. So there's a vat in front of the wine press into which the wine flows after the grapes are pressed. If it's not transferred into the barrels, it will sour. So it has to immediately go into the barrels. And the same problem as before. The era of ale, or the guy became a mourner, couldn't do it. Or ones, or something beyond his control. Oshito, or the workers deceived him. So now he's got to do something. So now we're going to we have a machlokas. How much can you do? So 
Rabbi Yossi is going to say, Zolef Vagomer. He pours everything into the barrels, can take it all out, and, and finishes Vagaf Kedarko. And he seals the barrels in the usual manner with a full-fledged seal. In other words, takes all the thing out of the big vat, pours it into all the barrels, everything, on Cholamoid. Now it's interesting, what's the malacha involved here? Now, pressing the oils, the oil, the olives more is a malacha. But here, there's no malacha with pouring wine. Nevertheless, were it that not that it would sour, one would not be allowed. Why? Because of that exertion. You got a big barrel, I'm pouring like a, a huge vat. That's a lot of work. So that's exertion. So therefore, it would also be proved to seal the barrels, both because of exertion, because sealing barrels would be a malach of smoothing the side there. Okay. So therefore, he's saying you're allowed to do all this. Rush points out that one is permitted to perform these tasks on Chalboid only if he was compelled to by a mishap or by the worker's deception. But someone deliberately scheduling this is not allowed. Even if you're going to lose a lot of money because that's something you should have taken care of before. So that's the Rebiosi. Rebiosi says you can basically do everything you need to do and finish up the whole job. Rebihuda Omer, Rebihuda says, well, not everything. Osalolimudim he can make for the barrel a temporary covering of boards so the wine will not sour, but he can't seal it in the usual way. What Rehuda is saying, going to do the minimal amount to avoid the loss. Rabiosi said, you can do everything. Once you're allowed to do something, you can finish it off. Rabiuda says, no, you can only do what will prevent the souring. So therefore, it's enough to pour them into barrels, but I don't have to seal the barrels. I just cover the barrels. Although there's something we gain by sealing the barrels, the loss he suffers from that is minimal. Rabbi Yossi also, once permission is granted to begin the process, you can do the whole thing in the usual way, even if the projected loss is minimal. Now, we've explained to Rabbi Huda's discussing covering of the barrels. This implies that he agrees that the wine can be poured from the vat into the barrels. He simply disagrees as to where the barrels may be sealed. That's according to Rashi's shot. We're going to leave it at that. So now the question is like this. We have two Mishnahs. Last week we learned the Mishnah with the olives. And now we have the Mishnah with the wine. And basically everyone said the same thing. So the question is why do I have to have two Mishnahs when it's really the same thing? So one's enough. I picked olives. Okay, we'll know the same thing for wine. Or if I picked wine, we'll know the same thing for olives. It's basically the same Discussion, same machlokas, everything's the same. So the Gemara is going to uh, assumes you're thinking that question. So the Gemara says, but we still need to have both separate Mishnahis. Why? Because if I only write one, I think maybe there's only a machlokas in one case, but in the other case, not. Why? If I would have had the first case with the olive oil, we might have thought that's when there's a machlokas. Bahahi, in that case, Kamar of Yosef. That's what Yosei says he can perform the work in the usual manner. Why? Mishum Because oil is a really big loss. Oil's very valuable, much more than wine. I don't know if you go to the store now, buy a, a 750 milliliter of oil versus wine. Well, maybe by those days, I think wine was more like water. 
Everybody drank it all the time. So in those days, at least, olive oil was much more expensive than wine. So there's a big financial loss. That's what Rabbi Yossi says. You could do everything you need to finish it off. But he might not have said, Aval Hamra, but wine, the Lonofish Psita, is not such a great loss because it's less valuable. A my minor thought, Modeler view. He would admit to Rabbi in that case, you can't do the whole job because it's not such a big financial loss. That's why I have to have the second case. Okay, so let's have the second case and not the first case. But Vyashmina Basraisa, if I have the second case only with the wine, maybe by he come maybe by that Rebuta said you can't do it in the usual way because it's not such a big financial loss. But in the first case where it's oil, maybe he would admit to Rebyosi. And therefore Sricha, we have both cases. Therefore we have both. We one is a bigger loss, one is a less loss. They're arguing it's across the board. It's not so much the issue of how much the loss is. This machlokas holds true in both situations. Okay, and we paskin like Rabiosi that once you're allowed to do it, you can finish it all off. Mm-hmm. Now, it appears that you don't need to make any shinoi. We haven't addressed the issue to it in an unusual fashion. Somebody have a question? No, no. So let's just do one more little piece. Some Rabbi Yitzchak Barabar, plot infers that what? Man Tana, who is the Tana that holds Shinui Bamoid Badavravar? Who's the one that taught there must be done a Shinui, an irregularity, when you're given permission when something's going to be lost? So who holds? Okay, you could do it, but it has to be done in, a, in an irregular way. Who says that? Morris, I'll tell you who doesn't. Delo Karabiosi. Uh, so the is going to say, it, it is not Rabiosi, <laughs> for sure not. Because what did Rabiosi say? You can process the whole thing, right? No irregularity. So that's not a problem. And therefore, he, you don't have to make a shini. If it's a dover of it, and you're going to have a big financial loss, and we're allowing you to do the work, do the work regular. He said, you do it, finish everything. You don't have to make it cover with a board. There's not the whole thing. You don't have to make a shini. We'll see, in some cases, there is a need to make a shini. Question is, by a dover however, with a financial loss, you have to make a shini. And Omar Rav Yosef, and Rav Yosef says, Halacha ke Rav Yosef. It's Rav Yosef saying the Halacha is like Rav Yosef. As we know, Machlokzi, Rav Yehuda, and wrote Rav Yosef, the Halacha follows Rav Yosef. And therefore, the answer is, so therefore, if you're allowed to do Malacha on Cholamoy, because it's going to create a financial loss, you could do what has to be done, and you don't have to do it with any kind of a shinui. That's a good place to stop. Okay, we're going to be off for a week. And we'll continue next a week, Monday. Okay, sure. Sure, everybody.